Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. In the National Hockey League tonight, it is the Devils leading the Senators 2-0 early in the second period. Also just underway in the second, no score between the Sabres and the Capitals. Coming up at 7 o'clock tonight, the Blackhawks will take on the Avalanche. Just those three games today. The Oilers will play the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow at Rogers Place. Final game before Christmas for the Oilers game, two of their five-game homestand. Of course, it's on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 6.30, and the game will start at 8. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Going to have a, a fun one this evening. Scott Hartnell will join us uh, in about 10 or 15 minutes, native of the border city, Lloydminster, Alberta, slash Saskatchewan, uh, well over 1,000 games in the National Hockey League. He was honoured last night in Philadelphia. Fun guy, very outgoing, so we're going to catch up with him before 6.30 this evening. The World Junior Team in action in a tune-up game against Slovakia, so we'll keep you updated, and we'll get some uh, World Junior memories from Edmonton's Perry Pern, who was thrice a member of the Canadian coaching staff and uh, brought home a gold medal each and every time. So that is pretty cool. You can check in by calling 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Patrick Bauer is our studio producer this evening as Kellen Kennedy has uh, already commenced his Christmas vacation. Patrick, great to see you, buddy. How are you doing? Uh, likewise. Great. Yourself? I'm uh, I'm doing very well. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you working this evening. Uh, I, I know you get all the uh, unusual shifts or the ones other people don't want. I do that, which, yeah. Which means working inside sports. I also eat leftovers a lot, too. I'm a trash can that way, so, you know. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's great. <laughs> He's the resident Oscar the Grouch, except you're not Grouchy. Are, are, do you feel prepared for the for the upcoming Christmas holiday? <laughs> Yeah, I've actually, I was I was very proactive this year. All my Christmas shopping is done um, for the people that I want to buy presents for. You know, you got that wacky aunt who, you know, <laughs> you just get her whatever you find near the till. Usually it's, uh, did you hear Jalen and Andrew talking about the advent calendar that was cat treats that some woman bought her kid in England? Oh, I missed that. <laughs> for, for like three or four days, this kid's eating cat treats, telling mom these taste funny. And of course, a parent, oh, they're fine. Go ahead, eat them. All right, that'll be our off-topic topic. Well, we're going well, to switch it a little bit. Um... A gift you gave somebody else that turned out to be embarrassing to you. Oh, that's Because good. either you got them something maybe inappropriate or you gave them the wrong gift by accident or like that person thought that you were getting them something for a human and it was actually for a cat. I don't have a, I don't, this isn't a great story about this, but I'll give my own little one as a, as a jumping off point. We ha- I did the Secret Santa here at Ched at chorus a few years ago and there was a a, a young lady who uh, worked downstairs in traffic and uh, I, I i didn't know her so you ask colleagues say well you know she her and her husband like wine get her that for the big gift on the friday she's you know if you find some chocolate whatever she's not picky so i got these little you know nice chocolates and sealed up and I put them in the little tiny gift boxes and wrapped wrap them mm-hmm. and then I'm, I'm grabbing the wine for the friday and there's one of these chocolates sitting next to where I had the wine. And I thought, did I 
get an extra one of these? I thought I gave this already. So I, I took it in and I, and I gave it with the wine. And I said, you know, you were supposed to get this earlier this week, but I must have had an extra one or forgot or something. She goes, she goes, oh, I wonder if that's what was supposed to be in the empty box you gave me wrapped on Tuesday. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that's exactly what was supposed to be in there. I got there. you good, eh? <laughs> so I said, you must have, you must have thought your secret Santa is a real jerk. She's like, well, I just thought maybe you. You know, I didn't know who the Secret Santa was. Maybe they had a child that took it, or maybe it was a clue for something else. And I was like, no, just I wrapped an empty box. Totally, <laughs> absentmindedly gave you a, an empty box. But she still got the chocolate later in the week. So oh, that's good. Okay. That's a great story. So you can text 63630 uh, for, for whatever reason, a, a Christmas gift that you have given to somebody that has embarrassed you in the process for whatever reason. Uh, 780-496-0063 is the phone number. The Oilers play Tampa Bay tomorrow. Now, I, Patrick, I don't want to alarm you and uh, and the rest of Oil Country listening tonight. This might be a tough matchup for Edmonton. Tampa Bay is 27-7-2. They are first by a long shot in the National Hockey League overall standings. They're 10-0-1 in their last 11. They're first in goals four. They're first in goal differential at plus 45. Uh, they're 12th in goals against, so still pretty good, but they're scoring a lot. They have two guys in the top 10 in scoring. Kucherov is third, Point is 10th. They, they, now, I was looking, because, look, the Oilers have some high-scoring players, but they don't have the depth. The Tampa Bay Lightning have five players with 10 or more goals. Well, the Oilers have four. Well, that's not that bad. But here's the difference. The Lightning have eight players with 20 or more points. The Oilers have three. That's a big differential. There, the yeah. Lightning have eight players with 20 or more points. The Oilers have three. But Coach Ken Hitchcock saying, hey, you know what, we're pretty good too. Well, I think both teams provide challenges for each other. I think theirs is obvious. They have depth of scoring. They have a number of people that can burn you offensively. Um, and they play a way more mature game than they did a couple years ago. So they... they they, they can come at you in waves, and if you're not ready for it and you're not ready to absorb it, then you're going to be in trouble. But in the same breath, we can do that too. Like We, we can really lean on people, and uh, we're going to have to lean on them a little bit. I, I think both teams are, are built from pressure. Theirs is more uh, puck possession pressure, and ours is more forechecking pressure. But be interesting to see... Uh, zone time tomorrow because both teams need the offensive zone to create the extra scoring chances. All right, so there's Hitch saying, uh, yeah, Tampa Bay's coming after us, but we can lean on teams, and the Oilers can do that. I think the challenge for Edmonton is going to be getting the puck out of their own end, especially against uh, a team like Tampa that can can use speed and puck movement to apply so much pressure. Of course, you still have Clefbaum and Russell out of the lineup. Now, we're probably going to see Russell on the 27th when the Oilers get back to it against the uh, Vancouver Canucks, but a lot of stress being placed on the Oilers' defense. They haven't been able to stop the cycle as well. They haven't been able to transition the puck up the ice as well. So that's why this is a uh, hugely concerning matchup for me tomorrow. Uh, and I uh, asked Hitchcock today about that Tampa Bay attack because I, when I've seen the Lightning play and I, I saw the uh, third period overtime shootout last night against Calgary, they came from 3-1 down in that game, had the lead. Calgary tied it late. Tampa Bay winds up winning in a seven-round shootout. And they're just so good at moving the puck. And Hitch went into some detail here on how Tampa Bay attacks. What they do is they can stretch you out 
out. So they stretch you out on attacks. In other words, they, they, they're able to make long plays and, and gain zone by moving the puck great distance. Like their defensemen all can really move the puck and they can trap you if you... If you don't change well, if you don't have the right people on the ice, uh, if you don't have numbers above the puck, they, they burn you. But where they're really good is they have the ability to find people outside of the coverage that puts you in all kinds of trouble. So you think you're looking at the puck carrier and you think you've got numbers, but there's another guy outside the coverage that they find all the time. So their ability to find people away from the puck, to me, is the best in the league. It's not even close. Well, I think he's right, and when we've seen Tampa play, they are so good at that. I mean, yes, they have speed, they can check, they do all the, the basic things that good hockey teams do well, but that they have that extra level. Uh, they, they can make that pass, they can find a guy who has found a soft spot, who has broken away from the defense, and they create a lot of scoring opportunities off that. So this is going to be a, a very tough test for the Oilers. I expect Miko Koskinen to, uh, to be in net as the Oilers try to snap a two-game losing streak, as I mentioned with the Lightning, 10-0-1 in their last 11. Okay, it is 6-15, we are going to take a quick timeout. Uh, Scott Hartnell's going to join us. Uh, you know what? I think I'll ask him about the... Because uh, I've seen this story online, and you never know if it's true or not, that he uh, once approached a fan who was wearing a fart smell jersey. The, the guy heckled him, calling him Scott Fart Smell or something like that. And uh, I think Hartnell interacted him and probably had a laugh with him. Canada up one nothing on Slovakia about eight minutes into that game. World Junior pre-competition tilt for Canada, Evan Bouchard on my screen right now as I keep an eye on this one. We had the Oilers prospect on the show last night. It was good to catch up with him. Well, it's great to catch up with this guy. Recently retired from the National Hockey League after a long and memorable career. Uh, over 1,300 regular season and playoff games combined for this gentleman, Scott Hartnell, checking in tonight. Scott, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm great, Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's awesome to have you on the show, Scott. Uh, obviously, you know, you announced the retirement a few weeks ago, and, and it looked like you had a pretty fun time in Philadelphia last night. I, I know you played for, for some other teams, but uh, a lot of ties to Philadelphia. I know. Uh, can you tell me what, you, what happened with the ceremonial face-off? Didn't you make sure that was a little more intense than usual? <laughs> I did, you know. I, you know, all the the ones that I've well, I haven't really been a part of, but seen and witnessed. It's uh, you know, kind of a foo foo kind of draw. You know, the home team always wins it, and so I kind of talked to Roman Yossi beforehand. I knew he was coming up there, and, and obviously Claude Giroux, and and I put a little side action uh, behind the scenes with them, and just to uh, have a little competitiveness, who's going to win? And uh, they both, uh, you know, bear down, got in there, and and tried to win it back, but. Drew being a centerman and Yossi a defenseman, obviously, yeah, the win went to G. <laughs> Great stuff. Are, are, you glad, yeah. are you glad you put the rumors to rest that you might be gritty? Because now you guys have been seen in the same place at the same time. <laughs> the oh, oh, fast gone. <laughs> that, that, that guy is awesome. He uh, does such a, a great job, you know, the way he acts. Uh, a lot like Fanatic, uh, the, the Philadelphia Phillies baseball basketball, but uh, man, he's got a great personality, and uh, those skits that we did were pretty funny, and blow-drying each other's hair and playing tag, it was uh, a pretty fun afternoon. 
Yeah, look, I think he's been even great. I, I love what they did with that, that mascot. Scott, I mean, look, you and I have, have been doing interviews like this for almost 20 years, believe it or not. We're, we're, we're going to date each other. <laughs> we're getting old. Yeah, we're getting old. And, and I remember my first year in Lloyd Minster was the, the summer you wound up getting drafted sixth overall by the Predators. I remember my boss at that time, the sports director, Greg Buchanan, went and did an interview with you and about you know going into the draft and where you might go and how life's going to change and all that kind of stuff. If you could go back now and give that kid in the summer of 2000 some advice, what, what would it be if you, had, if you had 30 seconds to talk to that young guy? Well, just to tell him that time flies. Uh, time goes really fast. And, you know, I look back at my 17 years and, you know, it feels just like, you know, the day before draft day when I was drafted, when, you know, the very beginning part of my career started. So, uh, to take it all in, you know, kind of, you know, go to work every day like uh, like it's almost like your last day at work and give it all you got. And, you know, I think I did that for, for the most part of my career. But uh, just enjoy it and, and uh, you know, make uh, make some memories. And, um, you know, you got to live your life and, and laugh, and which I've done kind of my whole career and, and life. So just uh, it's probably about it. Just, uh, just enjoy it because time does fly. Well, I, I think people who watched you always got the sense you were you were enjoying it. I, I know probably some fans of opposing teams maybe thought enjoying it a little too much sometimes. <laughs> but but no, I mean you were you were, you were never you were never afraid to uh, have a personality. You know, have the longer hair and, and do the Hartnell down uh, charity the donations for whenever you hit the ice in a game. And you you were able to do that in a sport that sometimes doesn't like players to have too much personality or tour to be outgoing you know how did you make it work for you in, in that uh sometimes very traditional hockey environment yeah you know i just try to be myself and you know i think growing up you know kind of going to the rink watching my older brothers play for the the blazers uh, lloydminster blazers the junior a hockey team there you know i was just a rink rat and a kid and loved watching them score and watch my brother fight and you know just uh, just enjoyed being a fan like that young of age and um, you know, kind of my personality is you just gotta, you know, you live love, you know, live, live life. You gotta laugh, you gotta love. And, you know, I loved what I did for a living, uh, playing this, this great game, uh, obviously. And, um, you know, so you gotta just be yourself, right? And there's a time to goof around, uh, uh time to have fun and there's time to be serious and get the job done. And, you know, I kind of probably tiptoed that line, maybe. Uh, probably some days uh, have too much fun than others, but uh, that, that's just me, and I, I don't regret anything. Scott, just a couple more for you. Um, when, when, when you went into visiting buildings, uh, which fans might have been maybe the hardest on you or, or maybe you had that interaction with? Well, let me ask you this. Was that true about that fart smell jersey? Like some guy made a fart smell <laughs> jersey and you signed it that way? Is that true or is that an urban legend? Yeah, no, somebody, that, well, that was Pittsburgh. I, that's gonna, that was going to be my number one answer. I, I loved going into Pittsburgh. It was a hard place to play. You know, the igloo, igloo back in the day was, was terrifying almost. But, um, you know, the new arena they had there was uh, uh, had a better record playing at that one. But, uh, yeah, the guy had a fart smell jersey on and, uh, you know, ended up uh, signing it to my stinkiest fan and, you know, signed my name. So kind of had fun with him. And, you know, if you can have that interaction with fans, you know, not only your home fans, but away fans too, and, you know, they appreciate it uh, just as much as uh, we appreciate it as uh, hockey players. So, 
uh, had a lot of fun throughout the years with uh, all different kinds of fans, and you know that was uh, probably one of them on the top of the list. All right, Scott, here's my last one. It's a standard question I ask retired players. This will be interesting coming from you since you're very recently retired and, and played in the league last season. Who was the best player you ever played with, and who was the best player you ever played against? Uh, probably Yarmir Yager. Um, the one year that was probably my best year in the NHL with the Flyers. Um, I think I had 37 goals and maybe 30 assists, I think. And so that was kind of a, a legendary player that I was, you know, starstruck to meet and um, just enjoyed every day with him because he loves hockey. He's still playing at 46 or 7 years old for Pete's sake. Uh, um, and kind of the coolest guy I got to play against was probably Mario. Um, Connor McDavid. He's going to set records and he's going to be, you know, one of the best of, of this era. So, you know, Mario and me was cool when he came back from uh, uh, Hodgkin's disease. And, you know, Connor cool, uh, uh, McDavid is pretty pretty neat right now, pretty special player. So, uh, probably those. And obviously, Sid and Ovi and those guys too. But, um, you know, pretty good names uh, uh, that I've played with and played against. Well, Scott, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm glad we're still doing this after all these years, and, and I promise it's not going to be the last time I bug you for one, buddy. But enjoy Christmas. Uh, enjoy the season, man. Yeah, cheers. You too. Merry Christmas. That is Scott Hartnell checking in tonight on Inside Sports. A pleasure to talk with him. He ha- you could tell he had a blast yesterday in Philadelphia, and I-, I love how he put a little money on the line for the two captains going at it in the ceremonial face-off. Not sure I've heard about that before. So there we go, Patrick. We found out the fart smell jersey story. That's amazing. Is 100% true. <laughs> and he well, he was that type of personality. He's like, okay, you're going to heckle me? Good. You're yeah. being creative. I'll, I'll sign your jersey. To, to my stinkiest to, fan. To my stinkiest fan. <laughs> That's great. Canada gets another one, leading Slovakia 2 nothing. Eight and a half minutes left in the first period. That's a pre-competition game for the World Junior. Of course, the tournament will start for real coming up on Boxing Day. Some Eskimos news today, not confirmed by the Eskimos, but multiple reports that A.J. Gass, former Eskimos... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Linebacker is going to be joining the Eskimo staff as an assistant coach. He's been uh, coaching high school football in California. NHL tonight, Capitals lead the Sabres 1-0. That's with about four and a half minutes left in the second period and about eight minutes left in the second. The Devils are up 4-2 on the Senators. Two goals for Taylor Hall tonight. He is up to 11 on the season. Later on, the Blackhawks will play the Avalanche. Raptors in action this evening. About halfway through the third quarter, they lead the Cleveland Cavaliers 7566. I want to remind you that some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. You can get them online, northchickenyeg.com, or go check out some chicken in person, as Jalen Nye is doing tonight, 124th Street and 107th Avenue. And another goal for Canada, five minutes left in the first period. 
It is 3-0 Canada leading Slovakia in a uh, World Junior pre-competition game. Canada will have another pre-tournament game on Sunday, and then they start for real on Boxing Day. I mentioned that uh, Eskimo story today. Again, not confirmed by the team, but a lot of reports that A.J. Gass, very popular player, linebacker, while he was here in Edmonton, will be uh, coming back as an assistant coach. He's been coaching high school football in California. Another note from the CFL, Anthony LeBlanc, who we had on Inside Sports during uh, Grey Cup week. I did a few shows from the festival site, and uh, Anthony was kind enough to drop by. One of the owners of the team that they uh, look like they're going to get. They'll be called the Atlantic Schooners. The franchise has not officially been granted yet. He says they're up to 6,000 season ticket applications and they will soon unveil plans for a new stadium. So that's something to keep an eye on there. Matt Dumba from the Minnesota Wild. Upper body injury going to need surgery out until at least late in the regular season. Some concern in Minnesota that he might be gone for uh, the rest of the year. So that's a blow to the Minnesota Wild who are one of the teams chasing the Edmonton Oilers in the standings right now. And I know we only have over half the season to go, but I keep an eye on this. The Oilers have the final wild card spot in the West, 39 points. One point behind is Vancouver, but uh, the Oilers do have three games in hand on the Canucks. Dallas with 37 points and Minnesota with 36. Uh, the Oilers are three back of Vegas, four back of Anaheim and San Jose with uh, within the division. Tough matchup for the Oilers tomorrow night. We'll see if they can pull it off against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports from the Lightning Radio Network, Matt Salmon. Matt, welcome. Oh, do we have Perry first? Oh, okay. Well, we'll uh, Matt can check in a little bit later on. We have Perry Pern standing by. We were calling an audible, but we have Perry on the line. Perry, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to have you on the show again. How's uh, how's life? What have you been up to? Uh, been busy doing a little bit of coaching. I'm now uh, uh, working with the women's program and head coach of the national team. So that's kind of kept me busy here this through the fall. A little bit of scouting and uh, coaching in the four nations. Good stuff. Okay. Well, Perry, we wanted to uh, check in with some of your uh, World Junior memories because you have uh, a lot of ties to this. Was it three coaching staffs you were on, three gold medals? That's correct. Or as we say in Canada, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean that was I mean you knew what that was like. That was uh, that was that was the expectation, whether it's fair or not, for these kids going into the World Juniors. It, uh, I don't. I don't want to say it's gold or bust, but it's. It's. We would really. We would really prefer gold. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's. There's no question. Everybody who. Who suits up, whether you're a coach, player, you know, uh, support staff, they, they all know that. Uh, the end result better be gold, or uh, there'll be lots of disappointment. So your your first one, uh, you were an assistant in '90. That was yes. uh, that was in Finland, and now we should remind people because some people aren't going to know this. This was a, a round robin tournament only. Eight teams. You played seven games. Wherever you finished, uh, that's the medal you got. If you finished high enough, there was no there were no semifinals. There were no finals. And was 1990 the tournament where y- you were at a bit of a disadvantage going into the final game, but the Soviet Union tied? Am I remembering that one right? That's correct. That's right. Uh, we had to beat the Czech Republic, and uh, they, they, I was Czechoslovakia uh, still in 
at that time and uh they they were very good uh but uh the russians were playing the swedes um they were playing in helsinki and we were playing outside the city so uh the games were staggered just a little bit the the game in helsinki finished a bit ahead of ours and uh, the swedes scored late to tie the russians which opened the door for us uh and uh you know if you remember uh Dwayne Norse scored the the game-winning goal. We won 2-1. He scored late in the game. Um, And, uh, you know, that got us the gold medal. So we went from potentially being out of the medals to winning the gold medal um, based on how things turned out. Was that... I don't want to say wrap your head around it because, I mean, you knew what was happening, but that's a really different mentality from what we had in Canada and North America at the time. I mean, a lot of your players would have had probably playoffs or playoff tournaments since they were six seven years old right the teams teams always had a chance to redeem themselves in the playoffs if they'd done poorly in the season so was that a little like how different was that sort of to 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 grasp for everybody going into that well it certainly you know was different but you know you knew ahead of time that you know you if you took care of business and won all seven you're going to win a gold medal um you know we had uh we had slipped a little bit early in the tournament, and uh, you know that that set us up, you know where we where we had to be successful, you know in that last game, and we needed a little bit of help from the the Swedes. But uh, you know the teams were 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 very very close. Like we, we the Czech team we beat had Jager, uh, Reichel. Um, it it was a powerhouse too. Um, the Russians, um, you know, had Zuboff and a number of other players who went on to be, you know, great NHLers. Um, uh, the Swedes were strong. Uh, I might be wrong, but I think Sundin might have played on that team. Um, and so, uh, you know, you're looking at some great players and some very, very competitive teams. All right. So that was gold medal number one. The next year was really memorable because it was uh, the 1991 tournament, and that was the one uh, hosted throughout Saskatchewan, but primarily in Saskatoon. And and I know sometimes people look back on that one, Perry. I don't know if this is accurate or not because it was always a big deal, but a lot of people say that's the one that really kick-started it, you know, TSN getting a little more involved. And obviously it was in Canada, so whether the rink held 15,000 people or 1,500, like some of the smaller ones uh, were, everybody everybody was, was on board for that, that tournament. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't in Europe, so you didn't have to get up at 4 in the morning to watch a game. All the games were in prime time. What do you remember about the energy around the 1991 tourney? Oh, well, the energy in the building was unbelievable. Um, the gold, uh, what turned out to be the, you know, the gold medal game for us, uh, we, we beat the Russians, um, was the biggest Canadian flag I'd ever seen. It basically covered the, um, the top part of the, the rink in Saskatoon, um, and then it got passed around. It was, uh, I remember that, and, and the, the building was electric for, you know, all the games, but particularly, you know, Canada, Russia, uh, I think it was the the last game of the tournament. And again, uh, John Slaney scored late. Uh, I think we won 3-2. And um, one of the things that, um, you know, was kind of neat about that was uh, Dwayne Norris, John Slaney are, are both from Newfoundland. 
And so, uh, you know, we had two Newfoundlanders score the winning goals in back-to-back World Juniors. Yeah, that was incredible. I, I remember, and people are, people are going to laugh, I remember not being able to watch the game because I was still in Evansburg and you didn't get cable uh, north, of, north of Evansburg. <laughs> so I think, I think my dad and I were trying to listen on the radio, whoever was carrying at the time, and then you saw the highlights later that night or, or the next day. So that, that was different. But I love how you mentioned that, the biggest Canadian flag you've ever, you'd ever seen. Uh, so your assistant coach for a couple of years, 93 uh, you're the head coach. You go over to Sweden, and this was this was still the round robin format then, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Wow. All three of mine were round robins. Okay, and I think this one did. Did this come down to a tiebreaker against Sweden? What was the drama this year? No, there was there wasn't a lot of drama. We won the, our first six games in a row. They they <laughs> the funny part about that tournament was. Uh, we played for the gold medal against Japan. Uh, we we played them in a little place called Hudiksville. And, uh, you know, we knew if we won that game, we had the gold medal clinched. And uh, in our last game, uh, we, we played for the last time. Uh, Czechoslovakia played as one country. Uh, the following year, it became, you know, they played as Czech Republic and Slovakia. Um, and so uh, we we clinched against uh, Japan. I think we beat them eight one. But uh, realistically, it it could have been uh, it could have been a much bigger margin than that. Right. Okay. So then you guys lost your last meaningless game, and Sweden won theirs. To so you're both six and one, but you already had had the gold. So that was that that, that, that was, and that's why they got rid of that format, right? Because sometimes you'd have a day of meaningless game, or or a game might be meaningless to one team, but another team could leapfrog someone else as a result, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, um, you know, I, I I believe that uh, like the you know for us the game didn't mean much, but uh, the. The Swedish game, I think, had implications on the U.S. Um, you know, what we did was we played uh, uh, Manny Legacy was the most valuable player of the tournament. And uh, so uh, Philippe Deruville hadn't played at all. Um, I decided in that final game to give Philippe the chance to play. And uh, I, like I'm, I'll say to this day, I'm certain that if Manny had played, we probably would have gone 7-0. and But I... I felt it was worthwhile um, for the future uh, for, you know, anybody that would be coaching, you know, the following year to see whether Drewville could play or not. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, had that game meant something, uh, Legacy would have played. And uh, uh, with that group of athletes, I'm, I'm sure we, we would have won, uh, you know, the big game in that tournament, you know, was the game against Sweden. We beat them 5-4. Um, and uh, that might have been the best team uh, outside of the teams that I was involved with uh, that I saw at the World Junior, the, the Swedish team. They were, um, Forsberg was their, their top player, and he just dominated the tournament. Uh, in terms of points, uh, but uh, you know, Wayne Fleming happened to be in Sweden. He gave us a little bit of help in terms of uh, some pre-scouting and then scouting during the game. Made one great suggestion in between the first and second period. I made an adjustment in terms of lines, and it turned out really well. And uh, so, like I said, that uh, you know, we had it wrapped up 
you know, after six games. Perry, how did you approach coaching in, in, in such a short tournament where, I mean, you didn't have a lot of room for air and the players don't know each other. You might have had the odd guys who were teammates in junior, but for the most part, they, they don't have a lot of history playing as, as teammates. What were the challenges of that as a head coach? Well, I, I know that we did a lot of work in the summertime in terms of uh, of trying to do some things from a team-building standpoint. And I'd like to think that, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, I brought, you know, to the World Junior in terms of team-building was, um, was kind of new and fresh. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people that followed me, you know, um, adapted that kind of approach and i think you know for a long time we we got you know a lot of mileage out of the fact that that we did that kind of preparation that that we had you know a group of athletes that you know got there you know once the team was selected knew each other and then could very quickly come together um and i think that you know that's certainly a big part of of that tournament is you know how quickly you can you know create the chemistry you need um, and, you know, especially the old format, uh, like you really couldn't afford to lose. You know, you could maybe get away with losing one game, but you couldn't lose two. Right. Perry Pern joining us on Inside Sports, sharing some memories of uh, being an assistant coach twice and a head coach once at the World Juniors. He got a gold medal each time. Perry, lo- love what you're talking about there. That's such a cool perspective. And, of course, you mentioned now uh, working with the, the women's program. So, well, you had the Four Nations Cup. That was early November, I want to say, if memory serves. That's correct. And what's, uh, what's uh, next? What's next for you and the team? Uh, we have, they're calling it the Rivalry Series. Uh, we're playing the U.S. Uh, three games uh, in February. Uh, the first game will be played in London. Uh, and then uh, the next game in Toronto. And the last game will be played in Detroit. So it's a three-game series. Um, it should be really good. It, like, it, it's kind of, uh, you know, a takeoff on, on the Olympic years when, you know, Canada and the U.S. play those. Uh, you know, they, it, traditionally it's been a six-game series over the course of the year in preparation for the Olympics. So this is a little bit shorter, but uh, nevertheless, I think you know, same kind of implications. Uh, you know, who's who's the best in women's hockey? What's the shift been like uh, for you, Perry? I, I know you've been around the women's team for for a little while now, but has it been a big shift for you from the men's game? How would how would you describe that? Well, I mean, there's there certainly is differences, and uh, you know, I've I've experienced some of those. Uh, you know, I, I guess to share a story, and we had, we had a you know a young player on the on the team in Saskatoon, and uh, uh, we had played the round robin. She'd played very very well against you know uh, Finland, Sweden. Uh, the, the U.S. game had maybe struggled a little bit, but. Uh, you know, I just wanted to talk to her and kind of give her, uh, you know, a, a bit of a boost. And so um, I took her aside uh, bef- before the pregame warm-up, not the on-ice warm-up, but the off-ice warm-up started, so about two hours before game time. I just, you know, said to her, you know, how well she had played, that she should be proud of herself, that very few players her age, you know, would have ever participated in the uh, Four Nations. And as I'm talking to her, I can see the tears starting to well up, and pretty soon she's crying. And so, the 
the dad of two daughters in me started to come out, and I, I knew I had to end the conversation very quickly because in a in another second I would have been the one crying. So, um, you know that that's something I have I never had uh, I've never experienced that in the men's game, but uh, it it sort of tells you how um, important it is to the athletes and. Uh, you know the the one thing that I find in the women's game, like if you say something, you know you've got twenty athletes that are going to try to do it. So um, there's no uh, no fighting to try and win people and get them on side. They're very coachable, uh, very driven, uh, and I guess from that standpoint, you know there's a lot of similarities to you know the top athletes in the men's game. Absolutely. Well, Perry, glad you're enjoying that. I, I always love talking to you about your experiences and about coaching because I can just always sense how passionate you are about it. So I really appreciate you coming on Inside Sports tonight. Hopefully I didn't pull you away from your Christmas shopping, but I uh, hope you have a great Christmas and a happy new year. Same to you, Reed, and to all the fans out there. Right on. That is Perry Pern checking in tonight. One of my favorites to have on the show, uh, covering off some World Junior memories with him, and he's doing a great job now with the uh, Canadian women's team. So that'll be fun to keep an eye on that rivalry series in the new year when it's Canada against the uh, U.S. in a little three-game set. It is 6.51. Uh, we will bring Matt Salmon in after the 7 o'clock news to uh, have a perspective on why the Tampa Bay Lightning are so deadly this season. Matt with the Tampa Bay Lightning Radio Network and our 6.30 Chad MVP this week, hockey star, soccer star, Ryan Santos. She's going to be on in about half an hour. Really rolling out the Christmas carols tonight, eh? It's festive. Puts me in the mood. <laughs> That's great. That's uh, Santa Claus on guitar there. <laughs> Good old St. Nick. No one makes that act sing like St. Nick. By the way, at some point we do have to play "Mistress for Christmas." Oh, by thank AC you for putting DC. that in my head. Yes, we, uh, we are. Yes. Uh, we're we're going to lay the cheese on thick with that one. <laughs> that's, that's like, hey, no regret. ACDC, great rock band. Uh, they got some stinkers in the closet. Yeah, I would put "Mistress for Christmas" in that category. <laughs> that's like blasphemy. Are <laughs> you just see like, hey guys, let's write a song about Christmas? Oh yeah, it's a good idea. We gotta, we, we gotta sex it up, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it says sexy Christmas. Like, like having a mistress. That's your present. Yeah. Okay, guys. That's... <laughs> yeah. No, no, when you put it that way, that's that's pretty out, That's pretty cheesy. Yeah. So uh, what about Def Leppard? Do they have any Christmas songs? You would know. They just did a Christmas song, actually. No kidding. Yeah, and they did a little video for it. Well, we all need up. Christmas. I'll dig that up. I'll do it? a little... It's a, slow, it's a slow one. It sounds heartfelt. Yeah. yeah. Def Leppard's got some stinkers, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah? I, well, hey, I, I love them, but I'm the first to admit it. Well, I mean, when you've been making music for 35 years or whatever. <laughs> I, there's one, actually, one particular Def Leppard song I do not like that was quite popular that a lot of people like, even non-Def Leppard fans, and they often play live. And I do not like it. It's called Two Steps Behind. Okay. Do you know the one? I'm not familiar, no. For, okay, do you remember the movie The Last Action Hero? Oh, yeah. It was on the soundtrack. Okay. And then they put it on their next album that came out after that. It's a, it is a ballad, and it's called Two... So, do you remember The Last Action Hero? Yeah, it was Schwarzenegger and... Yeah, the little boy... They, or what was it? The boy went into the movie? Or yeah, the it was movie? a crossover between real life and fantasy. Yeah, or the, stuff, the movie yeah. character came out of the screen. So anyway, Leopard, uh, Leopard did a song for that called Two Steps Behind. I'm not a fan. Hmm. I don't mind saying that. 
but we will dust off Mistress for Christmas. Absolutely. Just, like I said, we're going we to turn the cheese factor up a little higher a on the show. solid hour. Time for some Christmas cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that, I guess that's not really a Christmas. But you know what we should do next year, Patrick? We should go caroling and sing Mistress for Christmas. <laughs> so we ring somebody's doorbell, you and I in our fine attire, our yes. nice Christmas garb. I have a guitar and a little portable amplifier I can bring to. We can really yeah, rock it up. We man. break into Mistress for Christmas by ACDC. <laughs> I'm going to cut the sleeves off my best suit. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, this is Inside Sports on 6:30, Chad. Final show before Christmas. Oilers play the Lightning tomorrow. Their director of broadcasting, Matt Salmon, up after the break. Thanks for tuning in. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.